Hey everyone, welcome back to Love Essie, the podcast. This is episode 48. And this week I am talking about book 12 in the Guild Hunter series. If you've been following along and paying attention, friends, this is the most recent book out, but only for another like 24 to 48 hours because on November 24th, 2020, book 13 comes out. But anyway, uh, I have not traveled forward in time yet. I don't have day machine. So I'm currently, you know, in before that. So we're going to talk about Archangel's War, uh, book 12 in this series. And oh, my friends, I forgot how much of a doozy this bitch was. Oof, oof, ah, pero, wow. I was like, oh, oh, damn, oh, oh, damn, damn, oh. Oh, so um, af- after that scintillating <laughs> review, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about it uh, in sort of as spoiler free a fashion as I can. And that's that's going to be real short because honestly, it's going to be short. And then, you know, you'll hear my cute little ad and then I'm going to talk about it with spoilers and just, yeah. All right. Um, so... Archangel's War, no spoilers. <laughs> so as I had said at the end, um, at, as I had said last week, at the end of book 11, we are left um, at a cliffhanger moment. So, you know, the ending of the book is you're just like, bitch, what? Like you li- like you just look at the page and then you flip and then you flip back and then you flip again and then you flip back and you're just like, wait what and if you are just reading the series right now you were able to finish book 11 and immediately start book 12 if like me um and many other Nilly Singh fans you had been reading the series as it came out you got to the end of that book and realized you had to wait a year an entire year for the rest um so last fall uh sometime in november book 12 comes out and it is a continuation um, so in some ways, I've mentioned before how this series is different from other sort of romance series in that we are not focused on a different couple per book. And we're also not focused on the same couple for all of these 12 books. Like we've had 12 books. We haven't been with Raphael and Elena all 12. I would have shot someone if that were the case. I'm kidding. Uh, sort of. Um we spend you know the first three books with Raphael and Elena then we go off and we hang out with other couples and then we come back to Raphael and Elena and then we go off again and now we've returned right so we've got these two books which are you know focused on this couple but it's also not just focused on this couple it is sort of focused on the universe as a whole because all of the things that have been building to this massive culminating event which is why the title of this book is archangels war 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 you know however you pronounce it um this encompasses the world that we are in this does not encompass one or two people this encompasses everybody so it's a different feel in terms of i would say uh the kind of romance 
I'm talking like I'm generalizing, which is bad because I read all the romance that is out there. Some people would be like, haven't you? And I'd be like, no, girl, actually, I have not. If you read Nalini Singh's other massive series, right, the Side Changeling series, uh, I wouldn't say Archangel's War is like Allegiance of Honor because I feel like Allegiance of Honor really is like a wrap up of all these things. But again, in the Side Changeling, we focus on a couple of her book. And we only get sort of glimpses of, not gl- not, we get scenes with couples that have already had their books, but they're never the central focus of a new book, at least not yet, that she hasn't done that yet. And I don't think that's the plan for that series, but that is the case in this series. Like we leave Raphael and Elena to learn more about the world through the eyes of the characters that we're with, but then we come back to Raphael and Elena and the information we learn while we're we're with the others helps to really understand what is really going on in a sort of big picture way so this sort of second half of what's going on so it's like archangel's prophecy right and then it's archangel's war and i feel like these two you really have to read these two together i don't think that you can just like i mean you get to the end of prophecy and you're like bitch what's going on like this isn't complete. And so then you have to read Archangel's War to get to that complete. Now, um, this is a massive book. I have forgotten. It is 73 chapters. Seven, three. Seven, three. 73 chapters. And I'm pretty sure the first time I read it, I read it overnight. Because that's crazy. Or by overnight, I mean at midnight. Um, I remember, I do remember distinctly being really excited and I think I might've pre-ordered on Amazon and then midnight came and no book, 12.05 came and no book. And I'm pretty sure I canceled the pre-order and immediately bought the book on Kobo, um, like through the Kobo, like to read on the Kobo reading app because I was like, it's 12.07. How dare this not have downloaded to my phone yet? Like, what are you doing? And it kept being like, the book will be available this day. And I was like, we are in this day. The, the, the day is here. The day has arrived. Amazon, you are failing me. Um, so I distinctly being remember being pissed that uh, midnight had come and gone. Um, I still didn't have the book uh, on my device. It was like, how dare you? Um, so that that tells you how... How crazy I have all this series. Um, but this book, like I said, it's 73 chapters. It's a ride. It is an absolute ride. There is so much that goes on in this book. Reading it now in the current time, in the current climate, there are moments that I was like, oof, this is, this is brutal. Because, you know, last year when I read it, it was, you know, it was the fall of 2019 and you know, things weren't great, but they they were not what they are now. And uh, so certain, certain characters, um, yeah, they're, yeah, rereading it this time, I was like, damn, damn, this feels a little, in some, there were moments that felt just like, mm, uh, uncomfortable. Um, 
And it's an interesting thing because this is a series. It's a paranormal series, right? There are vampires, there are angels, and there are archangels. Do these exist in our everyday life? No. But this is also a series that is set in New York. And I, having read the series while living in New York, I've always, like, almost always, whenever I've read a Guilt Hunter book, I'll be outside somewhere, like, walking in the city and just sort of look up and be like, what if like right like if i was in this world like i would be looking up and seeing angels like just just chilling just flying around lighting on roofs doing their thing um because i do think that nalini captures the energy and the essence of new york city really really well um and so reading it this time around i was like wow okay and i feel like i might have had might silly i'm sure i had like feelings and thoughts um the first time i read it right um but i feel like that was this time around those feelings were amplified um in ways that i was like oh my god um but this book i feel like one of the like I'm trying to theme wise I mean it's a war so you know think of the kind of shit that happens in wars and everything that people have to go through to sort of succeed and survive in war and you know you, yeah um there's also um I think a big theme is you know the work the the concept of working together and like working together on all levels not just like oh well like knowing that you can only succeed if you work together you know trying to do it solo dolo trying to be you know the single you know singular hero girl that ain't gonna work because that's not how you win these kinds of clashes this kind of a clash is won by everyone working together and doing their part right and sticking to what they you know doing their part in spite of being like well actually i'm like a really amazing we asked you to do this job and we need to do this job and we need you to be reliable and consistent at this job because that's what is needed to succeed and win the war um and so i think that that is very much weave throughout this book you know this because we get to see so many characters coming together to work together in spite of their differences in spite of their petty bullshit in spite you know because the reality is that you have to sort of do that to get to a place where you win the war. And then after, you can figure things out. You can rebuild, da 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 you know. But that has to come. But you have to win, you know, the massive battle. Because if you don't, well, then, like, okay, girl. <laughs> now none of us can have anything. So that I was like, which I also, in some ways, was like, hmm, hmm feels prescient. Feels, feels very, very prescient. Um, and also within this um and i feel like the series has been building up to this coming to terms with the the pain and the despair 
and the heartache and everything that comes from grief, both at a ultra personal level, right? And then at a much, at a much larger scale. So dealing with grief at, you know, an, an individual level and then dealing with grief at a community level, which again, <laughs> again, I say this is why reading it right now, a little difficult because um, that is something that we are seeing happen on a, on a literally global scale that I don't think we had seen happen, at least in my lifetime, um, up until this point. So this, this book, it's, now what I think is really interesting, right? I said it was 73 chapters. It's, I'm going to call it a behemoth of a book. This is a massive tome. I actually read an ebook, it's digital, so it weighs the same amount as my phone does. But I'm sure that if I had a physical copy, I'd be like, eh, the weight, the heft, the heft of this book. Um, so it is, it's a weighty book. And within this weighty book, a lot of shit is answered. A lot of questions are answered. But as, as, as a series needs to do, um, we get more questions. <laughs> And we get to the end of the book and you're like, eh, wait a minute. But what about but what about this and this and this and this? I need answers. I have questions. Um so I think it's really, really interesting because cer- certain storylines have their conclusion in this book. We have the end to this arc and that arc and this other arc. But there are arcs that are in the middle when we get to the end of this book. And there are arcs that have just begun. So, of course, that means there are more books coming. And if you check her website, she has listed the Guild Hunter books for 2021 and 2022. So, we're getting book 13 in like two days. And we know book 14 and 15 are coming. I really want like a book 16, you know. So fingers crossed that the universe is like, yes, you can have the universe and Nalini. Because Nalini could be like, no, girl. I, I said no. And I'd be like, no. <laughs> but anyway. So yeah, this is, a, this is a big one. And it is, again, not cannot be read as a standalone. I, you, I mean, I'm trying to think if I like randomly stumbled upon this book could I learn a lot of relevant information in this one book yes but the build-up and then the emotional payoffs and and the emotional devastation that you get having read from book one to this one would be missing so it's possible but I wouldn't recommend it I, I would say no I would say go back to book one and start reading I mean we're about to, you know, be told never to leave our houses again till the end of time, it feels like. So, well, I shouldn't be flipping. It's hard to read during these turbulent times, unprecedented times. These times, um, I was going to be like unparalleled, but no. Um, okay, I don't think I have anything else in the spoiler-free portion um, to say. I feel like that is it. Yeah, I'm going to pause here. 
And then you're in, you're going to hear my voice again and my cute little ad. And then you're going to hear my voice again. And when you hear my voice again after the ad, spoilers, spoilers, I will be spoiling. Um, so there will be spoilers. So prepare yourself. Hey, friends, we're back and it's time for spoilers of Archangel's War. So, yes, if you are like spoilers are the worst, you can stop listening right now. But if you don't care about spoilers or, you know, you've read the book, then get ready. So as I mentioned already, right, this book uh, picks up where the cliffhanger, sorry, had left off. So book 12 is, you know, it's a big book. It's 73 fucking chapters and a lot of shit happens and a lot of things get answered you know there I feel like there are um certain things that we get the answers to in this book and then we are also left with a bunch of questions now as I had already mentioned reading this book right now um with everything that it's going on the callousness um in regards to human life that Li Juan and Xi um show really felt uncomfortable in the sense that like it made me think of political and it made me think of current leaders who are showing that same a a level of callousness towards human life in regards to you know civil unrest and the global pandemic and it was very much like oh yeah garbage I hate this this the, the the you know Li Juan is very much like I am the goddess of death and you know if I need your literal life force for to grow in power you will give it to me you know even if at the last moment you change your mind like I'm not asking I'm taking your life force because it is my due because I am the goddess of death and I'm like you stupid bitch fucking hate you um Li Juan and also Kara Simnon, uh, another archangel um, that I don't like, are two characters that are just, they're irredeemable. These are not characters that sort of um, skirt the line and are always in the gray, but there are like, but there is a moment, a chance. They have gone past the point of, you know, the point where you could say that they could be redeemed. Um, they have crossed certain lines that you cannot come back from. And in doing so, right, really the only possible, the only outcome that isn't, you know, catastrophic is their death. Um, and I'm just like, like I very much all through the series was like, but when do these fuckers die? I mean, I hadn't liked Karasemnon since, you know, he did the shit with the falling. I was like, ugh, you horrible motherfucker. And then, of course, Li Juan and her cray greatness. Um, and so, reading that, reading everything that was going on in the book while, you know, the world is on such a, a massive flux and change and all that. Again, it's not the same, right? Because I don't live in a world where there are vampires and angels and archangels. But the series is set in New York and I live in New York City and there were moments where I was like, oh, I just feel like, like I can see what is happening in the book happening. Like, like I could envision it 
um, and I didn't want to, um, and so there were moments where I was like, oh, I think this is too much, I have to take a pause, I must pause here and take a break, maybe read from another romance novel in the, in the, in the sort of interlude or whatever, and then come back, um, to reading this. Uh, I think this book also really focuses on people having to work together to achieve, you know, the goal of winning this war. And when I say people having to work together, I mean, not just like the usual, but like everyone, even people who are like, but normally I would say that I am. No, it doesn't matter how ego driven you are. The realization comes uh, maybe halfway through the book, maybe a little two-thirds that to achieve the goal of having the world not be taken over by a creature woman person thing who it demands death from everyone then everyone is going to have to work together do their part do their part consistently and well and not be all like well actually i thought i could do this instead girl no do what we told you to do because only in all of us putting in our part can we then defeat this enemy. Which made me think of what we're going through and the people that refuse to do their part. Um, so yeah, so this book is interesting because I read this last year and was it emotional and whatever last, of course, oh my god. But some of the things that kind of reminded me of real life hit differently this time because it was like, oh, I, I see the concept in the real life and I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, so this book, we get a lot of characters. So some people might be like, there were too many characters. I couldn't keep track. I love large casts in general. Um, and I feel like this book specifically gives us a lot. There are reasons for it, right? So I feel like I've done a bit of a boo-boo. And I haven't really mentioned the fact that throughout most of the series, I believe um, the cascade and its effects really start, I want to say, in book we start to see them in book two, maybe book three. And they'll realize that we were in hindsight, we can look back at book one and Ir- Orum, you know, um, becoming so bloated in his concept of power as maybe the beginning of the cascade. And you really like the cascade. If you're like listening to spoilers, but I haven't read it is um, a phenomenon that happens where the, you know, there are surges in power and new powers that archangels get. Archangels are mainly the ones affected with a small portion of regular angels being affected. And um, there have always been cascades, some more virulent or, or um, I was going to say life-changing, but I don't want to, um, some have a much more significant impact on the world at large and others don't. Um, the Cascade of Terror, which um, is mentioned, is more or less, you know, th- the most cataclysmic of the Cascades until this Cascade, which is by the end of this book, it's called the Cascade of Death because, you know, that's what Lijuan is focused on. 
She believes she's the goddess of death. She believes she has ascended to a higher plane. You know, it's, she's just, I hate her. So, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, I believe it's, I'm pretty sure it's the primary um, from the Legion who tells Raphael and Elena, or it could have been a combination of them and Cassandra, telling them that obviously these immortal beings, after a while they get tired of living life. And when I say after a while, like, I've been around for half a million years. I'm exhausted. It's been 500,000 years, but I'm immortal. And, you know, even within it, like, no one's like, and now I just kill myself. What they do is that they go to sleep. But if you have so many of these beings asleep underneath the surface of the earth, right, you're going to have this power build up. And so it seems like the cascades are a way for that power to be leached out and for balance to be reset, right? And what we see in this, right, book is, first of all, the rise of a shit ton of archangels, right? When we start the series, we are told over and over and over again, the cadre is a cadre of 10. There can never be more than 10 archangels alive at a time. And less than 10, you can also have too few archangels because archangels are what prevent vampires from devolving into bloodlust and literally murdering everything in sight in, you know, the grip of that bloodlust. Like, archangels are the the boogeyman to that. You don't have enough archangels, vampires go wild, murder all mortals, and then it's a wreck for everyone. Because archangels also need mortals because the toxin that builds up in their system has to be leached down, and that toxin is then, give, you know, used on mortals to turn them into vampires. So, like an ecosystem, all parts need to be functioning because if you lose one of the parts, everything goes left, you know, everything goes to shit and then nothing works. So then what we get in this book, right, is Li Juan is so powerful that as opposed to in the very first book where Raphael is able to take out Urum, by book 12, we are now at the understanding that what is happening is so much more than that. And Raphael cannot do this alone. Raphael and Elena cannot do this themselves. This is going to take everyone. And I made a list of all the archangels that we end up seeing in this book. Some I feel like we've met briefly in pre, you know, one or a book or another or have heard mentioned potentially, but it is, you know, and really interesting sort of like, oh, because I think when I, I definitely when I first read the series, I sort of thought of the current crop of archangels as like they are the archangels. And this book, you start to realize, no, there have been archangels before them and before them. And, you know, like this current crop of archangels is literally this current crop. That doesn't mean there won't be more later. And like, this is not static right? It is always changing and evolving. So our cadre that we've been with all series long, right, is made up of, there's Raphael, who's the Archangel of North America. There's Eli, or Elijah is his full name, who's the Archangel of South America. And Raphael and Elijah have a very, I guess, 
they probably have the closest relationship between archangels that we really see that isn't toxic or weird or just um there's still you know very much like things you know they're still jockeying and because these are two immensely powerful individuals but the kind of friendship that they're building um that we see being built throughout the series is the kind that um feels both like it's comfortable and comfortable is not the right word it is honorable and good um however you want to take that we've got um Fava well before I get to her we've got Neha who's the archangel of India um we've got Alexander who's the archangel of Persia now Alexander is not on the page when we first start the series we get to meet Alexander in the series book so Alexander is now an archangel who's shown up in the midst of this, but was not with us when we started the series. We've got Michaela, the Archangel of Budapest slash Europe. Homegirl's been around this whole time. Arch- the Arch- um, Archangel Titus, who is the Archangel of South Africa. Kara Semnon, the trash bag, who's the Archangel of North Africa. Astad, who's the Archangel of the Pacific Isles. And, of course, Lijuan, the Archangel of, of China. Now... In Archangel's Prophecy, we are introduced to Cassandra, who, you know, has literally been asleep for eons. And Cassandra, who is a seer, saw Elena, saw an angel maid, saw Ambrosia. Saw, so what they had thought was a myth of something that had happened in the past was always a, essentially a prophecy from Cassandra. Um, then we've got now Favashi, who is with us, an archangel, and she's the archangel of Persia, when we start the series, in Archangel's Prophecy, you know, is gravely sort of, she's not injured, an infection is set in, thanks to Lijuan and Karis, I'm not being trash, and so... We, you know, Cassandra brings her down into the lava. Because I guess, you know, down underneath the surface of the earth is where you can sleep away toxins and disease and insanity. And then you can wake up, you know, sane and hale and, and hearty. Because their bodies can fix all that damage. It just takes a lot of time. Right? But what I think is really, like fascinating well not fat but i think it's like oh we have the rise of other archangels in this book so asian or asian um who is ilium's father and you know raphael hates him ilium hates him the hummingbird don't like him so clearly trash angel um and i but he was the archangel of what is now the pacific um um aisles but of course you know he was asleep but is woken up by the cascade essentially there's the archangel sanaya who we find out was um alexander's lover in the past and it's interesting because she considers him like you know a youngin and alexander is not young he's of the age of 
Kalyan, and I believe Kalyan is 25,000 years old or some shit like that. So, oh, and I forgot about our Kalyan wakes up. Um, this is Raphael's mother. And I think it's again the cascade being like, I need, I need, I need all y'all awake because, you know, if y'all are gonna have a fighting chance, y'all need to be awake. And if you don't figure it out, then you all die. And that that's how this how this goes. Um but we also then see um Antonicus, who Antonicus is probably the only archangel who rises and ha- we aren't shown that he has any connection to anyone. The only person he there's mention it's like Callianne had known of him or had, you know, been uh I don't know if they were contemporaries of a sort, but but he doesn't have any sort of connection to anyone who was awake um, at this time. And then there's, I don't know if it's Kin or Kin, that's Q-I-N. And it's very clear, We he's, it's really interesting because we have very few scenes with him. Because he's probably the last of the archangels that rises during all of this upheaval. And he is very, very clearly in love with Cassandra and vice versa but Cassandra is able to see that if she is awake at this time she's gonna go insane so she's like well instead of you know, doing that because an archangel that's insane can you know cause catastrophic damage she's like I'm going back to sleep but, you know now that this is all over you're probably this is all over that bitch namely Lijuan that bitch dies that bitch dies it is kind of funny because like the combination of Raphael and Elena's like powers and whatever like turns into this like green wildfire that's like sprouting leaves and then it's like you know she goes kapoof into a bunch of leaves was almost like funny um but the bitch actually dies and Kara Semnon also dies in this book now what's interesting is Kara Semnon and Li Juan are dead dead like dead forever Antonicus who um when he rises is like <laughs> y'all fear this bitch like we're archangels i'm gonna go kill this bitch and then you know realizes like oh wait <laughs> she is whoa whoa i didn't know that this level of power existed the fuck he is there isn't it isn't clear if he's dead or not so he is essentially buried in our entire deck cup because an archangel can potentially there's enough living matter regenerate it may take a few hundred years but that can happen but he isn't the only one who ends up in this sort of limbo state in this book right Zaniah ends up you know bitten by you know one of the reborn weirdo things and so does Astad and so and Michaela gets like gets injured enough that she ends up ripping out her what does she end up doing i believe she rips out her own heart so that um because if the heart gets i don't know it's very weird it was like basically like if she or no she ends up ripping out what's infected but that includes like her heart or something and so it isn't clear if she's alive or dead so what's happening with these characters is that they're basically you know going to be placed somewhere where if their bodies regenerate their bodies regenerate if their bodies don't they don't but at least they'll be given that chance and elijah is very much injured but it is clear that his body is starting to heal 
So it is known that Elijah at some point will wake up. So at the end of this book, right? Um, or at the end of like the massive battle, right? We've only got um, Raphael, Neha, Alexander, Titus, Kalyan, Aegean, and Kin, um, which is seven archangels, like awake. And like, Fulvash is awake, and then immediately, like, her body's like, no, girl. And Cassandra's like, I have to go because I'm gonna be crazy, so therefore useless. So it's like a cadre of seven, like, dear God, that's not enough. And then an angel who we had met previously, who is blood family to Li Juan, Su Yin, ascends. And so, and it's funny because she's like, I'm an architect, like, I, why am I ascending? And then it's like, after all of this destruction, now it will come the work of rebuilding. And so it maybe does make sense that someone who is an architect is the one who ascends. Um, so this, this book, we end the book and a lot of things, you know, the big question of Li Juan and her horribleness is answered. Bitch is dead. The questions of Karasemnon and, you know, him causing diseases everywhere. That's answered. Motherfucker's dead. But we have other questions, right? Ilium's father is alive and Ilium's father is trash. And we find out that the reason why Ilium's father is trash. Ilium basically walks out on the hummingbird, Shireen, that's her name, and his son. Like, and that is seen as abnormal in, you know, the angelic world because angelic births are so rare, right, that to walk away from your own flesh and blood like what is you know what does that mean what does that say and Ilium is obviously very young when this happens so it's like your father just you know okay whatever you know so he's clearly a man ho and trash and I don't like him and I want him to go away already now Kin is like I'm going to stay awake even though clearly and he he expressly states that he is going to be awake and do the work of an archangel only until someone else ascends. As soon as someone else ascends, he is going right back to sleep because he's not interested in being awake in a time where Cassandra is not awake. But I was like, oh, interesting. Right. And so all of a sudden, at the end of this book, right, Raphael and Elena, you know, are happy together. But like New York has to be rebuilt. The destruction that takes place in New York is ridiculous. It is enormous. It's out of like it's like Manhattan is a shell of what it once was you know the rest of the world has to deal with the infection and the reborn all of those that you know were out there so all of that has to be somehow you know taken under control so Li Juan and that threat is gone but now it's the rebuilding and the you know figuring out what comes next Michaela had actually given birth to a child and now her kid is going to, you know, spend at least 50 to 100 years alone because we have no idea how how and when she is going to regenerate the amount of damage that she suffered if she can. Um so there are so many things now that I'm like, "Oh, so this is why we need more books, right?" 
which is why I'm very excited for book 13, which is Titus and Shireen, because I'm like, oh, okay, we get to see these two, but we also, I'm hoping, get to find out more information. For example, Suyin, once she ascends, um, Asian was like, you can be the Archangel of the Pacific Isles, and she was like, no, I'm going to be the Archangel of China. It was my bloodline, aka her, I think, is she cousins with, I think she's cousins with, um, Li Zhuan, if I'm not wrong. She was like, it was my, you know, bloodline that decimated that nation. Why will be the one to rebuild it? So she, Raphael gives, you know, for temporary has Audan as her second. Of course, the romance, you know, reader in me is like, oh, are Suyin and Audan going to end up together? Some people are like, it's going to be Audan and Ilium. I don't think it is. I think that they have been such close friends for so long. I don't see them turning into a couple together. Some people are like, well, why not? I'm like, I don't know. They've been friends for a few hundred years. I feel like if they were into each other, they would have figured it out by now. I'm just saying. Just thought. So technically, we are missing, you know, books for two of the seven, right? We've gotten five of the seven, but we don't have Audon and we don't have Ilium. I mean, Galen only got a novella, but he got something, right? And the others all got their own books. So now we have questions about Suyin. We have questions about Audon. We want to know what's going to happen with Ilium, his father, his mother, all that jazz. I think it'll be real interesting because is is Aegean going to have an issue that Titus wants, you know, Shireen, the hummingbird? And is Shireen going to be like, sir, get out my face? And it becomes clear in this book that she is no longer the very frail and delicate um, character that she was when we first, um, you know, met her in the series. Um, we are just left, you know, is... What's going to happen with Kin? Is he going to find another, another per? I don't believe. I don't, I don't see. I feel like that's very much like, you know, what, what he said is going to happen. Are, you know, the others who are in that sort of question mark gray area zone, um, Astad, Zanaya, Antonicus, are they going to wake up at some point? You know, what, what is all of this going to look like? Um, we don't know. And so that's, you know, I feel like Archangel's War really ended a certain, you know, a certain section of this series. But now we're in the rebuilding stage. And of course, leads to a plethora of other questions. Um, and so I, I mean, obviously, it's a romance novel, you know, our main characters are all alive after this horrific battle. Um, and and at the same time, there's an immense amount of loss. Um, because, like, Li Juan, So, when Li Juan was, quote-unquote, asleep, um, and after Favashi, you know, got infected, the captain was like, okay, well, we can't spend time in China because clearly Li Juan left it left some sort of infection for us but we can send our you know our people our vampires and our angels to make sure that the land doesn't that the people who are there don't turn the vampires don't turn to bloodlust and everyone you know continues to do what they're supposed to do and not you know go wild and then when she 
you know, prepares to attack. She converts all of these people. And those who don't die to feed her power, to create a power source for her, you know, turn are turned into fighters and, you know, combatants for her. And so every single one of the Archangels has lost people. You know, Jason, Raphael Spymaster, realizes he, every possible informant and spy he had in Jean's court is gone because they're either dead already or they were turned into you know a shell of who they were and you know they are no longer functioning they're essentially an auto mm, automaton um and that like oh that level of callousness for human life oh anyway um but yeah this this book also in some way I know okay I was gonna say this book in some way looks at the grief thing yes and no I mean individually grief at an individual level we've already seen because there have been horrible things that have happened and both Raphael and Elena we keep being reminded over and over again in every single book um that they are in that both of them are dealing with massive trauma inflicted in part by a parent, right? Um, Raphael's mother literally left him to die in a field. Um, and she also had to kill his father um, because homeboy had gone mad. Elena's mother... Uh, Elena loses her two sisters and then her mother takes her life because she cannot handle, you know, the trauma of losing both of her daughters in the horrific way that she does. So we have seen how these are two fully grown adults, one who's, you know, 20 something, the other who's 1500, grappling with loss and grief at that individual level. But what we also see in this book is dealing with that, not completely starting to deal with the loss of life at a larger at a global level at a at a level at commu at the scale of community not just individual um and again that made me think about you know right now where you are many of us are dealing with grief at the sort of individual level as we are going through losing friends and family but or co-workers etc uh, but also at the community level as we see numbers rise as we hear stories of others who have passed and so it's weird because again this book was written you know came out last year and some of it just feels so so realistic even though it's paranormal um and that can be a bit hard to deal with right now, right? Um, I, like I said, I definitely had moments where I had to sort of pause where I was in the book and go read something else because I was like, I'm, it's, this, is, this is a little much. This, I'm feeling this. And I'm a little like, mm, I'm feeling it. Wait, but I'm like, oh God, like I'm seven seconds away from sobbing. Let me take a pause. Let me take a moment. Um, but I think it's a really 
for such a massive book um i feel like we get to touch on a lot oh and also at the end of book 11 right you know we don't know if Raphael and Elena are gonna make it but at the same time I'm like it's a romance novel so if she killed both of them um we would all hate her um we also get to see how the characters who are close to Raphael and Elena deal with the fact that these two were unconscious and unresponsive for like eight months (laughs) you know this like when you have that hope but at the same time you're like maybe I have this hope for no good reason um and so these themes of you know family and connection and trauma and grief are obviously you know universal right and it doesn't matter that we're be we're seeing them play out in a quote-unquote universe that I don't know why I said quote-unquote universe anyway and that we're seeing them play out in a universe that doesn't exist um because this universe isn't this universe still reflects ours in that relationships, connections, family, bonds. Those are all real in that universe. And those are all real in our everyday lives. So regardless of the fact that like you don't go outside and see motherfucking angels in the sky, you don't go outside, you know, and talk to like your vampire neighbor who's been around since you know 1508 (laughs) and you're just like it's 2020 like how much has changed um so even though you don't you know you still can see and understand you know these these bigger sort of themes um throughout um you know that like when you've crossed that line that you can't come back from or you know just how to deal with death and pain and destruction um and the fact that you know loss is a part of life we obviously hate that none of us are like oh my god i can't wait till like no none of us are we're like oh yes it was totally her time it was totally his time yeah no we're never ready we never want to welcome loss into our lives but loss is a part of you know the circle of life um let's pretend i didn't try to sing that um and we see that in this book i mean i feel like it would be really hard also to do a book called archangel's war and then not showcase like loss and death and destruction because i'd be like what kind of word is these because when you say war war means death war means destruction war means sometimes annihilation um or trying to narrowly avoid that um but yeah, this this book was a doozy. But also, I'm very, very, very excited for the next book. I'm very there. I've read like two excerpts already, and I'm just like, I cannot wait for Shireen. I cannot wait to see what happens 
with her and Titus because Titus obviously is going to be all like, oh, the hummingbird, delicate. And then she's going to be like, bitch, delicate, where? And he's going to be like, ooh, hot. Or at least that's what I'm hoping. Um, And we're going to get to see, you know, what this world now looks like because that's the other thing. All these people, you know, all these characters came together against this common evil okay but the common evil is gone now so of course you know people are gonna sort of go back into their sort of petty bullshit but the question also begs will they because what has happened has been massive and the level of loss isn't on a small scale this is on a very very large scale um and so there may be a level of cooperation and communication that exists only because the recent horror is still so, so fresh. And no one wants to allow that to happen again in any way, shape, or form. So there's sort of like we must figure out how to not devolve into that um and so yeah um i mean in case you weren't wondering huge fan of it so yeah guys november 24th 2020 archangel's sun is out and i'm pretty sure i'm gonna be useless at work that day because i'm pretty sure that midnight is gonna come i'm gonna go look at my pre-order is gonna be there and i'm gonna do the i'm gonna read like two three chapters and then go to sleep and then i'm gonna look up and it's gonna be five in the fucking morning because i couldn't put the book down but that's okay that is okay um okay i'm gonna pause here and then briefly come back and do gratitude um so i'll be right back all right, so this week and things I am grateful for, um, I'm very, very grateful that I was able to see a friend on this weekend um, and we were able to partake of food outdoors um, because, you know, it is absolutely batshit crazy out there and I'm definitely not doing anything for Thanksgiving. Oh, Thanksgiving is always a bit weird for me because my parents live in Canada. Canadian Thanksgiving is in October. So, and then Thanksgiving is always so close to Christmas. So I never go home for U.S. Thanksgiving because I'm like, A, it's not Thanksgiving in Canada. And B, I'd rather be home for Christmas because that's much longer, you know, Christmas, New Year's, all that jazz. So um, it was really nice to see my friend. Um, So I was very thankful for that. Another thing that I am um, was thankful for this week was, um, and you're all going to laugh, but I got a ton of planner stickers um, this year, which I hadn't really ever done before, and I've been using them, and I was just able to, like, it felt really nice to just be, like, like putting, like, little stickers that were, like, you can do this, or, you know do your best and just like being you know looking at my list and be like oh yeah like I can do that yay um and just seeing that reflected to me 
which I am sure that before I bought the stickers, I would have been like, it's not going to make a difference. So why would you even bother? But now I do know it does make a difference. And I really, really like it. And I'm really, really pleased and glad that I was able to have that. Um, because, you know, it makes it made my work days somehow feel better. And that right now is real, real important real real important and I guess the last thing that I'm really grateful for and you're all probably gonna laugh so I love Dermot Kennedy I love his I first found him last year and I want to say maybe two or three months before his debut album came out and when that album came out I'm pretty sure I listened to Without Fear on repeat for probably a month and a half straight. Like, I listened to him enough that when I did, you know, Spotify's, like, you know, sort of wrap-up of, like, he was one of my top artists, and that album came out in September. (laughs) So, uh, you know, huge fan. I'm also a big Kevin Gates fan. I really like Kevin Gates. Um, When it comes to rappers, voice and beat are things I really, really care about. People are like, what about lyrics? Uh, I suck sometimes at that. Anyway, the reason why I'm sharing that with y'all, you're all like, I don't understand, like, por qué she is telling us this? Because Kevin Gates and Dermot Kennedy did, well, the song Power is now with both of them. And I, you know, Spotify has a release radar playlist that I get every Friday. So there's New Music Friday, which is just like, a playlist of new music that's been released on Friday. Release Radar is new music that has been chosen for me, either based on artists I follow or singles that it has picked for me based on my listening preferences, right? Or like based on my current listening, it's like, oh, you've been listening to a lot of this, this, this. So some of these new singles you're going to really like. And then these are the artists you follow that have new singles. So Power with Kevin Gates and Dermot Kennedy, I was literally on, um, when I was on my way to meet my friend for, you know, you know, uh, a meal in the out, the great outdoors, um, I'm listening to the playlist and we get to that. And I was like, like, I wanted to like scream, dance, yell, like sheer motherfucking joy was felt at that moment. Because again, two artists I really, 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 really fuck with on the same song was just like, bitch, thank you. I didn't know I needed this, but I clearly did. And y'all provided, you know, you knew that I would need this. And so I definitely then listened to that song on repeat the rest of the day. And we'll probably be listening to it on repeat for at least a week or two. Um, because, I'm that kind of, I'm that kind of gal. Um, but yeah, that was just, oh my goodness. And I love, you know, listening to, you know, new, new or music. Oh, and Dermot Kennedy also had another single out. He's um, featured on Bugsy Malone's Don't Cry. And so basically I had like two new Dermot Kennedy tracks to just like lose my mind over and just yes thank you um so yeah those are the things that I was really grateful for this week um 
I'm sure you've heard about the Romancing the Runoff auction. If you haven't, go check it out. Um, There are some incredible things up for grabs. There are some things that I cannot afford anymore. There was like a Sarah J. Mass book that's uh, over three, ga- three grand is the bid. And so someone was like, what in the like traveling, you know, sisterhood of the traveling like Sarah J. Mass book is it? And I was like, it honestly didn't occur to me that a group of people might get together to bid on something from their favorite author, but it kind of does make sense, right? Um, and there's something else that I saw recently um, that had like a four thousand dollar bid on it and I was like oh okay so so there are things that are for like rich people but then there are things like definitely click on the buy now um option because then you are uh sort for buy now because there are authors that are putting up like autographed copies of books that you can just like quote unquote buy so once the auction is over like you're buying that and you don't have to worry that someone outbid you for it because you're just buying that at the set price um and they when i had checked earlier today sunday um they were very very close to three hundred thousand dollars raised between the auction and the donations that they raised uh before they had opened up the auction so over a quarter of a million dollars raised in like a week a week and a half um to help flip the senate um for the 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 races in the runoff races in georgia so check it out you know what you might be like oh my god i've seen something that i need that i must have and hopefully you get it i have my fingers crossed for you to win the winning bead um but yeah that's pretty much all i have for you guys um i don't know what next week is gonna be it's not going to be archangel sun even though i will have finished the book by that point only because i want to give people a bit of time to read it before i like you know because maybe you do like listening to the spoiler portion but i want to give people a bit of time um so it'll be about something it'll be about something romance related obvi Obviously, um, I just don't know what it will be. Uh, and I think that's all I got for you guys this week. Um, if you live in the United States, um, the day of the turkey is coming up. Do your best to stay safe. I mean, try. That's all we can do. Try our best to stay safe in the midst of the wild wildness out there you don't live in the united states and you know keep doing what you're doing you know and we shall see what you know the season finale of 2020 will bring us because you know it's been an eventful year so i don't see it just you know uh we'll see what happens it shall be interessant yes interessant all right thank you guys so much for listening and um we'll chat soon okay bye